Coming up, D-backs have another terrible showing in the series finale against the San Diego Padres. Where do we go from here, D-backs fans? And where should Joe Girardi and Joe Madden go next? Sully Baseball breaks it down. Coming up next on the Lockdown Diamondbacks podcast. You are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work, from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter, at creatorthomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked On Diamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle and of course thank you for making lockdown diamondbacks your first to listen every day i would not be able to do this podcast without you my loyal listeners sharing subscribing reviewing doing all that so i could do this podcast for you thank you it's free and available on all platforms so please continue to tell your friends we're going to talk about Joe Madden, Joe Girardi. Where can those two former managers go next? Where can their next destination be? Sully Baseball has some ideas and theories, so we're going to be breaking it down with him. But before we get there with Sully Baseball, I think we first got to talk about this series finale. And overall, just to save the D-backs probably a little bit, because the D-backs lose that series finale to the San Diego Padres 10-4. to And this was a game that was just divine by poor pitching and a lot of hard hit balls to Josh Rojas because Josh Rojas, I'm sorry for you, man. You're probably going to have nightmares. They're going to have sweats in the middle of the night because it was just a tough day for Josh Rojas. And really, I mean, you could say this whole game swung just in the first inning. The game was made in the first inning because the D-backs, they were getting to Mike Clevenger early. They had a couple guys on bases at one point, had bases loaded, one out in the, in the first inning. And in normal D-backs fashion, they were not able to convert. At all, no run scored in that kind of situation. The D-backs have been terrible all series. They've been terrible for the entire season with runners in scoring position. And in today's game, the D-backs were run. They were one for 13 with runners in scoring position after being 0 for 7, I believe, last night with runners in scoring position. So the D-backs are just not converting the opportunities they were given. And then you look at the San Diego Padres in the bottom of the first. What do they do? They are able to load the bases as well, but they do it with two outs, and they end up scoring four runs total off two outs off Madison Bumgarner in the bottom of the first. Now, I don't think it was all Mad Bum's fault because Josh Rojas probably could have made a play on that Ha-Sing Kim ball um, if he's able to field it cleanly, but he was not able to do that, which extended the inning and eventually just led to more runs for the Padres. And I think overall, I felt like this was wasn't a terrible Madison Bumgarner game. I know he gives up. I know he gives up six runs, only four of them earned. But I feel like if Rojas makes that play in the first inning and they get out of that first inning unscathed, yeah, maybe Mad Bum still allows a couple runs in that second inning. But after that, Mad Bum really settled down in this game. He picks up the two thousand strikeout of his career. I thought Mad Bum ended up looking pretty solid in the on the mound after those first two innings. Like if you look at some of the Statcast numbers for Madison Bumgarner. 
from Madbum from this game. Um, Madbum's velocity was surprisingly higher than usual. His four-seam fastball averaged 92.2 miles per hour on average in today's game. That's about a tick, about 1.2 miles per hour faster than on average. His changeup was about a mile per hour faster as well. So Madbum was throwing the ball pretty hard today. And we know the Padres usually are pretty locked in on Madbum. Madbum started the season opener against the Padres and he looked kind of wishy-washy in that one he ran into some trouble I think he only gave up like one earned run but it wasn't a very inspiring start from Madbum and I thought today could have been another one of those kind of starts where you feel like the Padres are getting to Madbum feel like the Padres are knocking off base hits maybe they're working some deep counts but at the end of the day Madbum is limiting the damage and not giving up the back breaking hits but unfortunately today um a lot of hard hit balls to third base and josh rojas was doing his damn best to field those balls and try to create outs and stuff like that but it just wasn't his day and it wasn't just josh rojas i mean there was that one play where paven smith tries to throw it over to second base for where perdomo's covering the bag and paven smith just makes a terrible throw i think he almost hits the the, the base runner uh the lead runner in the back as he's making the throw like there were just some really bad defensive plays from the D-backs in this game and they're just not much you know from positive side to talk about if you want to talk about positives Christian Walker hit his 19th home run of the season of course it was a solo shot two outs nobody on just the perfect time for Christian Walker to go yard and at 19 home runs I mean we're at like 71 games now I believe on the season if Christian Walker could get to 20 20 21 home runs before game um 81 like a 40 home run season 45 home run season is really on the cards on the table for Christian Walker and I don't think I've really wrapped around I don't think I really wrapped my head around the idea of Christian Walker hitting 40 plus home runs that would just be a monster season and at the pace he's on, I think Christian Walker definitely deserves to be in the home run derby, and I think he should do it. Like, of course, for non-D-backs fans, people are going to look at Christian Walker and be like, why is this guy here? He, I don't watch the home run derby for Christian Walker, and trust me, if you know, if that was like some Randall Royals player, if Christian Walker was a Kansas City Royal, I wouldn't care about him in the home run derby either. But guess what? He's a D-back, so I do care. So Christian Walker is definitely deserving of that home run derby invitation if he gets one. And then Alec Thomas also had a home run in this game. Again, not a very meaningful home run when Alec Thomas hit that home run. It was in the sixth, um, or it was his sixth of the year. It was in the third inning, no one on. So both of these are solo shots. But you'd like to see Alec Thomas get that rookie phenom so far this season for the D-backs. I did a pod last week where I thought he was being overlooked in the NL Rookie of the Year race in a home run like this. He continues to play great defense. And I think his bat is really starting to come around as well. I mean, his bat's been pretty good all season. I think it's really the slugging power department he needs to tap into a little bit more. And we got to see the home run from Alec Thomas today. So now let's hand out the three moons of the game because like we always do, we hand out three stars after D-backs win to the three best players from that game. But after losses, the three players who deserve the most blame, the three players who could have made an impact but didn't. So the three moons of the game for the players who just didn't do enough in 
tonight's uh, D-backs loss. In the first moon of the game, I'm going to give to Dalton Varsho, who is just in a big slump right now. Number slash line going the direction you don't want to go. 0 for 5, two strikeouts. A lot of 0 for 5, 1 for 4 nights from Dalton Varsho with a strikeout or two. Um, I have to check the stats, but he might lead the team in strikeouts. Dalton Varsho is the low-key strikeout machine. The second moon of the game, I think we're going to have to give to Madison Bumgarner. Four earned runs, nine hits allowed, four innings pitched, five strikeouts. Did pick up his 2,000th strikeout of his career. A nice little milestone for him. And then the third moon of the game, I thought heavily about getting it to Luke Weaver just because Luke Weaver was so bad in his one inning, four hits, two earned runs. But I'm going to give it to Josh Rojas just because it just wasn't the best Josh Rojas day. He had an error, and it just was a lot of hit balls with Josh Rojas where he was trying his best, but just not the best showing of Josh Rojas' skill. Um, of his skill, really, because I don't think Josh Rojas is that bad of a defender. I think there's been a lot of games this season where I'm like, man, Josh Rojas can really make some spectacular defense plays over at third base but was not able to do that in this series or at least in this finale against the San Diego Padres and hopefully he can bounce back because next up the D-backs take on the Detroit Tigers for I'm not even going to say how many games in the series because I didn't look that up but it is a manage- it is a manageable series in a series the D-backs can win it's not like the Tigers or World Beaters or anything like that but considering that how the D-backs have played I mean outside that twin series it was a lot of Poor play against the Pirates and the Cubs and the Reds. And now you got the Padres. The D-backs just haven't looked good for pretty much the whole month of June. But maybe against the Detroit Tigers, they can get back on track. Now, Sully Baseball has some suggestions of where Joe Madden and Joe Girardi could go next, presumably to some teams that could use some championship jewelry. And if you need some jewelry for that special someone in your life, you need to head to BlueNow.com because whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNow.com. Blue Now has simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as setting style. Blue Now's bench jewelers will then handcraft her perfect engagement ring. Each ring is one of a kind. Looking for fine jewelry but having trouble choosing? Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7, available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com and Lockdown listeners get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement. Use code LOCKDOWN. That's code LOCKDOWN. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. One live NBA draft show is not enough for Locked On. The entire NBA channel is going live on NBA Draft Night. So if you have a favorite NBA team, make sure you subscribe now to their Locked On YouTube channel so you get notified when they go live on NBA Draft Night. Let's get back into the pod. All right, we're here. We're going to do one more segment here. Now, look at the New York Yankees had a rare hiccup. You know, they faced off Toronto and Tampa Bay, and it looked like they were going to they looked like they were going to sweep both teams out of the dump. And uh, they had a very rare bullpen mishap, and Toronto wound up 
uh, winning the final game. Uh, it was ten to nine, but they swept the. Yeah. They they took two out of three for the Twins, swept the Cubs, swept the Rays, and took uh, two out of three from Toronto. You can't ask for a better streak than what the Yankees Yankees have done since uh since allowing that walk off against the Chicago White Sox on my birthday, on my 50th birthday, on May 14. And the Yankees were already 24 and 9 at that point. Mm-hmm. Since then, the Yankees are 25 and 8. I mean, they're just that they are on such a streak that even if they play 500 ball the rest of the way, they'll still win 97 games. You know? Yeah. And they're probably not going to play 500 ball the rest of the way. So uh, what I'm saying is, uh, what are you saying? I'm saying things are clicking for the Yankees. Yeah, I'm saying things. You know what? I mean, they had good pitching last year, and their and their bats were unreliable. And now you have Judge having the type of season he's having. Nestor Cortez. By the way, let me say one thing about Nestor Cortez. Not only is he pitching like an all star, he's insanely likable, and he's done. He did a mic'd up thing for yes. Where you just couldn't. I'm look. I'm a native New Englander, classic Yankee hater, and I can't help but find him to be this, you know, this lovable, fun guy. You know, if you're a Yankee fan, savor this season because things, things are clicking for this Yankee team. That, uh, you know, I mean, look at they're obviously making the playoffs. Yeah, and it's just right now this is a World Series or bust team, and and I trashed the Yankees all off season for the off season that they had, and. I got to eat a little crow, at least as we're here. It's late June, okay? It's late June, which means July and the midpoint of the season is right around the corner. And the Yankees are on pace to win, like, what, 118 games? Yeah. You got to give them credit. If you go back to our preseason prediction podcast, I'm not, I'm not sure if we had them making the postseason, Sully. Nope, so, nope, yeah, I didn't. Right. I, I didn't. We're going to have to eat some doo-doo probably at the end of this season or do something because it hasn't been good for us on our predictions from that front. But uh, the the state of New York baseball right now, I mean, it's just looking phenomenal. Both the, yeah, both the Mets and the Yankees. But the, the biggest problem maybe for the Yankees, the biggest issue that could be on the horizon is maybe the injection of Aroldis Chapman back to that bullpen because it seems don't, like they're, they're just – they, they seem addicted to putting him in as the ninth inning closer guy when we all know it should be Clay Holmes. Clay Holmes, there's no excuse to put anyone but Clay Holmes in the closer spot. I'm sorry. At some point, you set a closer out to pasture. The Yankees, since putting Clay Holmes in there, what have lost three games? He's nasty. I mean, what's Total. his ERA? Like a point. I can think of three games last year that Chapman lost that were grotesque. Who would have thought year? that Clay Holmes was going to be the key acquisition made the last couple of years, which just goes to show you don't always know. But another thing you don't always know, two teams that I picked to win the division are now with losing records and not even in second place in their division as we're entering late uh, as we're entering late June. Who? Chicago White Sox, mm. who are being managed by the late Tony La Russa. <laughs> okay. And the Seattle Mariners were being managed by Scott Service. Now, the Mariners pushed their chips in the center of the table. They brought in Robbie Ray. They brought it, they made the big trade with Cincinnati. They lost, they won 90 games last year. And this was maybe not World Series or bust, but this was we have the longest postseason drought 
not only of baseball, but with hockey, all of them, the NBA, the NFL. I think there are USFL teams that have made the postseason more recently than the Seattle Mariners. 2001, there are players in the major leagues who were born after the last trip Seattle took to the postseason. And so this year was all about breaking that streak. And the fact that not only are they not in first place, but they're losing a pile of games that they should be winning. And, you know, I actually don't. Did they? Did they? Did they win today? I can't. I don't remember. I don't um, even. Know. No, they lost. Uh, that's that's right. Because Mike Trout hit five home runs in five games, so they got their butts whipped by an underachieving Angels team. And so, look at Larusa has been making lousy decision after lousy decision. White Sox fans are pulling their hair out. They're pulling their hair, out and and I'm I'm assuming. Uh, LaRusso's pulling his hair out and then putting clumps of poorly colored hair back on his head. God. And service, someone has to take the fall for the Mariners. Now, let me throw this out to you, okay? Mm-hmm. The Angels fired Joe Madden, who everyone going into the season thought was an elite Hall of Fame manager. Mm-hmm. But the Angels are also a very dysfunctional organization. They change their managers too too often. They change their GMs too often. They have an owner who seems to be living in the past. Now, I do not believe that Joe Madden suddenly got dumb. I think this was a poorly constructed team. If I were the Seattle Mariners, and I see Joe Madden's floating out there as a fired play manager, wouldn't I see this as an opportunity? to swipe a Hall of Fame manager. Kind of like in 1986, the Chicago White Sox fired their manager, Tony La Russa, and the A's said, oh, wait a second. And they picked him up, and suddenly we found out La Russa wasn't dumb. It was a dysfunctional organization. Now, that same La Russa, who's already in the Hall of Fame and has nothing to prove and is completely outmatched. And I'm not taking anything against his career. He's obviously a wonderful manager, but eventually you got to hang him up. Wouldn't a native of Illinois with a World Series championship under his belt, who's also floating out there, who's also named Joe, be an interesting fit for that team? What if Joe Girardi takes over the White Sox and Joe Madden takes over the Mariners and those two teams get a high profile new manager in the team and may give them a little spark thoughts. I will give my response to Sully baseball's crazy scenario of Joe Madden and Joe Girardi. But I want to talk to you about this thing I use to start my morning every day, which is called athletic greens because I need athletic greens to give me the boost I need to power through the rest of my day. So what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all those things. So why do I love taking AG1? Well, it's lifestyle-friendly, whether you eat 
Keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, it contains less than one gram of sugar, costs you less than $3 a day, and has over 7,000 five-star reviews. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash MLB network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash MLB network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, all right, all right. Let's wrap up the pod. You know what? I don't hate it, Sully, and I kind of like it. I kind of feel the vibe of Joe Girardi for the Chicago White Sox. I don't know, but that personality seems to fit better with him in Chicago as opposed to him in Philadelphia. I don't know something right. about that, of that mixing, right? And then Joe Madden, I mean, he's kind of the curse breaker with what he did with Tampa Bay and Chicago. Now, he couldn't break any curses with the Angels, but the Angels never fixed their biggest issue, which was the pitching. The pitching is terrible the whole tenure during uh, my trout career, and he just never addressed that. Despite them upgrading the managerial position, they never upgraded that rotation, so it was never going to work. So him, Mariners, I think would be pretty interesting, and the Mariners are a franchise who we know – longest postseason drought, but at least they're trying to make moves and get better. Like we saw what they did with the Winker deal and the Suarez deal and acquiring Robbie right now. It is funny because on a podcast with Javier Reyes, we did our winners and losers podcast. And I said, Big loser, anyone who thought Robbie Ray was legit because Robbie Ray is not that guy. He's not that guy. Sully, what do you want to say? Convince me otherwise. Uh, I'll say that he got off to a disappointing start, but his last couple of starts has been have been really good. That's and and I mean, oh, let me let me go let me go to baseballreference.com, it's in your website, the history of the planet Earth. Is he gonna win the Cy Young Award this year? No. no, he does lead the league in innings pitched. So he gives nice. him a little bit of he gives him some durability. All right. And maybe <laughs> last year was that that fluke. Okay. But mm. in his last uh, you know, in his last uh, uh three starts, he is allowed he struck out 17, 19 back, but he's let up. Four earned runs in his last 19 innings. Listen, and so Rob, Robbie Ray, he can give you some length. The issue is he's going to also give up home runs. He's going to strike out people, but he's going to go six innings, five earned runs, and nine strikeouts almost every start. And it's just going to be frustrating. He also loves to walk people. I just don't know if he's worth the $20 million that this right, Maybe not, but, he, but I think that maybe, just maybe, you put a better manager in that situation, maybe. and maybe you sort of jolt that team. You know, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think from overall standpoint of the team and, and just the dysfunctionality of the you know the overall franchise, I think Joe Maddock could come in there and help and can help steer that ship. I think he would be good for that franchise, but I don't know if he's going to fix a Robbie Ray issue unless you got Brent Strom in that organization. I don't think Brent, uh, Robbie Ray is ever going to become the consistent Cy Young Award winner that we saw last season. I think it was a fluke, and I think he's going to go back to being the three true outcome guy we've seen throughout his career. Fair enough, but I do think Joe Madden would be a good. I uh, for a minute because uh, I was kicking this around in my head, and I thought, like, what if Joe Madden replaces Tony Larusa, and Joe Madden wins with both the White Sox and the Cubs? But then I thought that he's a. I thought Girardi is a better fit for the White Sox. 
Mm-hmm. And I thought that Madden was a better fit for Seattle. And I think that I, I you know, there's a way I know, and I've said this before, LaRusso's there because of Reinsdorf. And, and again, you know, get the drinking going again. Uh, I'm gonna, I've always believed that one of Bruce Bochy's lieutenants, take a sip, my uh, listeners who drink every time I say Bruce Bochy's lieutenants. I don't under, I still understand why Roberto Kelly isn't a major league manager. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. But that being said, you have two guys who, if they win the World Series with another franchise, well, Joe Madden's going to the Hall of Fame anyway. But if Girardi wins a World Series with another franchise, uh, we may start talking about him in that situation too. But the fact of the matter is, is that these were two managers just two years ago were looked upon as like the most sought after managers for a franchise to pick up. And now they're sitting there uh, working on their LinkedIn page. So you have two teams that are unbelievably disappointing this year. Give it a shot. But who do you think is saying the bigger PR head? Because I feel like it's Joe Girardi. He feels like I I just feel like there's so much built-in equity and like prestige comes with Joe Madden and like mystique behind him. I feel like there's a lot less, you know, fandom toward Joe Girardi. I feel like he's not as respected around the league. Oh, it's a huge disappointment for Madden. Madden's job was to come to the Angels and make Trout a champion. You know, he was looked at I mean Girardi, while Girardi received a manager of the year award with the with the Marlins, uh, the Girardi had this reputation a little bit of like, oh, did he win because the Steinbrenner family paid a pile of money? I thought him winning with a different organization would show that he was, and I and I actually think he's a fine manager. I think the Philly situation may have been something out of his control, or maybe it was the wrong fit for him. Who would you rather want though if you had a neutral team? You know, middle Madden. 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 Okay, that's yeah. how I feel too. Yeah, but I don't. I don't necessarily think that's a knock on Girardi. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think Madden's a Hall of Fame manager. And I know you're a big Joe Girardi guy. That's your. Oh, guy. I am. I am. I think he's. I think he's a smart baseball guy. Yeah, he's been fine. And, he's and been I been think. Fine. And I thought the Yankees. I thought he did a wonderful job in 2017. Mm-hmm. He was the manager when they rebuilt that team, and he left the team uh, as a. Uh, you know, they rebuilt without having without tanking, but they rebuilt. And the team that he managed in 2009 bore almost no resemblance to the team he managed in 2017, save for CC Sabathia. And by the time he left, you had the likes of you know Judge and Gregorius and Gary Sanchez were all key players on that team. By the time he left, that's a lot different than the team that he inherited with Pettit and Jeter and Posada and A Rod and um, uh, Rivera and and with the acquisitions of Teixeira and Sabathia. I think he's a smart, fine man. He he had a Marlins team who's this, – this was – there's the payroll for the Marlins that he managed in 2006. I was holding up a coin. Uh, and he had them contending into September for a wild card spot. You know, there's a reason he won the manager of the year that year. There's also a reason he was fired. Apparently, he's a big pain in the butt. But maybe some teams need a pain in the butt. I don't yeah. know. I think that I, 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 he's also he's a smart enough manager that he does straddle the analytics and the um, traditional world. So I think that I, I think he would be a good fit for some teams. I just think that um, of the two free agent star managers out there, um, other than you know Roberto Kelly and Hansi Mules, are also other than Schilt, 
who was manager of the year back in 2019. Yeah. And now it's like, yeah, get out of here. Um, I would rather have Madden, but I, that's not a knock on Girardi. Yeah, and for Girardi, it'll probably be a breath of fresh air after managing in New York and Philadelphia, probably the two hardest markets to be a manager in, where you're just going to be scrutinized on a daily basis. I mean, the Chicago market is not any easier, but at least you're like the secondary team in Chicago. I mean, the White Sox fans probably aren't as brutal brutal as those Chicago Cubs fans. So I think it would be a nice change of pace for Joe Girardi after being in uh, New York and Philadelphia. I would like to see Girardi manage a team that is like like from the ground up, like Cincinnati. Like you rebuild. know, or like you know, like sort of like be there for the rebuild. Oh, I got for one for you. How about this? Because I'm this is his final year of his contract. He's only on a one year deal. Tori Lovello could be out after this season because I'm not a big Tori Lovello guy. How about we bring I, in Joe Matter and Joe Girardi to Arizona, baby? I think you would. I think Girardi would be a great, great manager for Arizona. I do. Ooh. I think because they because they're not a bad team. No, they're just not a hundred loss team. Mm-mm. You know, this is not a tanking team, but there there is some talent on the team. But it needs. I would no. I'm. All, I would be all for that. I think Girardi managing Arizona and with some of the expectations being not sky high. I you know I I think that'd be that'd be a good choice. Yeah. Yeah. Look, we're I- full circle. Yeah, full circle, full circle moment. And a lot of these things with the managers, you also can't overlook the front office because, uh, like we said with Joe Madden, like a lot of the success of the managers is going to be predicated on what the front office does to actually support the managers and put a team on the field that could help win. And when you're Joe Madden and you're the manager of the Angels and you just never get any pitches, never going to be a competitive team. So hopefully, if wherever these Joes go, if it is the Seattle's or the Chicago White Sox, like we talk about, hopefully these front office and ownerships can also help support the managers that they hire. Well, I support you and I'm going to hire you. So, hey, Millard, another good crossover. Tell people where they can follow your show. Well, you can follow me on Twitter, my personal account, at CreatorsThomas24 for my personal account, or look up Locked On Dimebacks on Twitter and Instagram. Just type it in that little search bar, I'm sure you can find it. And me, I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. This particular podcast, we're at Locked On MLB Pods on both Twitter and on Instagram. Hey, it's the 20th day of June. Hope you had a great weekend. And it looks like we're going into late June. And we're going to see some of these pennant races start to make sense. What happens when it turns to July? You've got one more month to make the big trades and figure out what kind of contender you have. We are in the middle third of the baseball season. This has been the Locked On crossover with Locked On MLB and Locked On Diamondbacks. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Call me Sully. That's Miller Thomas. Don't call him Sully. Call him a fist pumper right there, right there. That's it for this edition of the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. Thank you to everyone who tuned into today's pod. Shout out Sully Baseball for the crossover. Come back tomorrow for more Diamondbacks news coverage and insight. Of course, thank you for making Locked on Diamondbacks your first listen every day. The first picks of the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft have been made. Search now for Ultimate NBA Mock Draft and get over 50 insiders, the Odyssey sports experts, and the draft experts of Locked on NBA Big Board. The five-episode Ultimate NBA, NBA Mock Draft is under underway make ultimate nba mock draft your second listen today after lockdown diamondbacks of course and as always stay safe and stay healthy deuces